Well, this is intimidating. <laughs> um, I'm a tech guy, so my natural habitat is back there where nobody can see me. <laughs> uh, a couple of announcements. There is no junior youth today, um, so uh, the youth can stay with us. Life group materials for the Not A Fan study guide. Um, some books still need to be picked up, and there are study guides available on your way out if you still need one. And lastly, the elder nominations start today. They'll continue for three weeks until October the 24th. The elections will be on November 21st, and ordination will be on December 5th. Forms for nominating elders are available in the office, so you can pick one up there. Well, I'm actually super excited to be here because this is another step in my own journey from being a fan to becoming a follower. Last week, Chris talked about the need for each of us to define our relationship with Jesus. That's what this series is all about. Some of us are already following. And this is an opportunity to do a tune-up. Others are still just fans. And I hope we'll all be challenged to become followers through the series. But there's another potential group. The ones who believe they are following, but are still just fans. It's that group of people who need this the most. I think, and if I'm honest, I was part of that group not that long ago. Today, I'm going to talk about Jesus' open invitation to everyone to become his followers. Before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for just the courage to be up here. I pray that you would speak through me, that it not be, not be my words, but your words that you've caused me to prepare. I pray that your people would be blessed through it. And so I ask that your spirit be present with us today. Guide me as I speak and open all of our hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. To begin, I want to share a bit of my own experience. So how did I end up here, standing in front of all of you? Three years ago, I would have and did say that this was impossible. A year ago, when I started seminary at Tyndale, I knew God was calling me into ministry but preaching was not part of my plan. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago when Chris asked me to speak today, I said, it terrifies me, but I think I need to. So how did that change take place? How did I get from where I was to where I am today, right now? Well, I'd like to suggest that somewhere along the way, I made a choice to stop being a fan, and I started following instead. 
what is following meant for me since? Well, first, it has meant freedom from habitual sins, which I'd been powerless to break free from in my own strength. Second, it has led me into deeper relationship with Jesus. Most importantly, it has made me bold so that I can stand with a paper clip in the wrong spot, so that I can stand and hear and do what I had always said was impossible. How about you? Would you like to be set free to know Jesus more deeply and to experience boldness that lets you step out in faith? Well, you can. And what is more, Jesus is inviting you to. Let's read Luke 9.23 together from the NLT. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. There's a lot packed into that verse, and we'll be unpacking it over the next few weeks. Today, let's start with that first part of Jesus' statement. If anyone wants to be my follower, the statement implies that anyone can choose to follow. Anyone is something I think we're very familiar with today. In fact, anyone is used often in our culture, and it's a key component of popular marketing strategies which our highly consumeristic society employs. The result of this is that we have become suspicious of the term anyone. We've learned that there are caveats, exclusions, fine print, hidden fees, and preconditions which must be met. For example, we're told that anyone can buy the latest smartphone, become a famous rock star, or own a beautiful new car. But, and you knew that was coming, not everyone has cash on hand for a new phone or gets to the store before they sell out. Not everyone has the talent to become a famous musician or singer. And not everyone has the credit or the income to afford the car. In, in these examples, what is implied or hidden in the fine print is that to be an anyone, you need to first be. First be in line with payment available while supplies last. First be an exceptional singer or musician. First be wealthy or have a certain credit rating so you can purchase that new car. You see, not everyone has the prerequisites or the qualifications to be part of anyone. But Jesus says anyone. So what's the catch? What's the fine print? No catch. No fine print. Jesus lays his cards out on the table where everyone can see them. And he starts with an open invitation for anyone to follow. And to see what Jesus meant by anyone, we can look at his disciples. In August, we offered the first season of The Chosen as a drive-in experience in our parking lot. 
I want to thank Peter and Jessica for their initiative in bringing this ministry to us. If you didn't come out to see it, I would encourage you to watch it. It's available to stream for free online through the program's website. There's also an app. Just Google The Chosen and I'm confident you'll find it. The Chosen is a dramatic presentation of the gospel, meaningfully communicated to a visual culture. One of the reasons I like this program is its portrayal of the disciples. It fleshes out their characters by making reasonable inferences from what's recorded in Scripture. The point that I want to make, though, which the Chosen highlights so well, is that the disciples really fit the definition of anyone. A bit of context. In Jesus' day, rabbis, or teachers, were highly respected members of Jewish society because of their expertise regarding Hebrew scripture. Most Jewish families wanted their children to become part of the elite group of students that a rabbi collected. The first century equivalent of wanting your kids to become doctors or lawyers. These classrooms were more like exclusive clubs. Just like today's Harvard or U of T, the best rabbis only accepted the best students. Likewise, the best students only pursued the best rabbis. So what? Well, despite being an unconventional teacher who was also apparently homeless, Jesus was in fact a rabbi. He knew his scripture. And his teaching had the effect of drawing a crowd. But when people came to see and to hear Jesus speak, it must have been a scandal to see who he had chosen to be his disciples. These were fishermen and tradesmen. One was a zealot, a member of the fanatical sect of Judaism, which sought to overthrow the Romans through violent uprisings. Another was a tax collector who made himself wealthy by collaborating with the Romans. These students were clearly not selected from the usual pool of candidates. All of them should have been disqualified because of who they were. And in fact, who they were suggested they were underqualified to be disciples in the first place. So as Jesus preached, and as he said anyone to the crowds, the people would have seen his disciples and they would have begun to understand that anyone means everyone. Well, what about now? When we hear Jesus say that anyone can follow and we see that he meant it by looking at his disciples, do we still understand that anyone means everyone? We might quickly say yes, but what does our church culture say about how we define anyone? Sure, we don't post signs filled with lists of rules that people need to follow to be part of the church, but maybe we communicate those rules in other ways. Consider whether the way we dress, the songs we sing, the seating arrangements we maintain, or even the way we buddy up after church suggests to outsiders what our standards are for admission to the church club. Let me put it another way. 
isn't it fair to say that we tend to like church the way it is? It's predictable and comfortable, and we've developed certain standards which help keep church the way we collectively prefer it. After all, comforting, comfortable is comforting. I think what we need to allow this passage in Luke to do, however, is to challenge whether the message that our church culture communicates to potential followers is in line with what we see in Scripture. For instance, does the message we convey suggest that people first be? As in, first behave a certain way. Or first believe the right things before you can belong to the church. Luke 9.23, and Jesus' ragtag band of disciples is meant to remind us even today that God intended to remove the qualifications. Jesus reverses the equation, and the model he gives us starts with an invitation to belong, to follow. Then, as his disciples, we learn from our rabbi, which forms our belief. And it's out of that belief, through the Holy Spirit's power, presence living in us, that we become transformed. That transformation changes our behavior from the inside out. Next, when Jesus removes the qualifications, he also takes away our excuses for not following, for remaining fans. In this week of the study, Kyle will be using an illustration about a stained cushion. The cushion serves as a metaphor for our lives. The stains, and we all have them, are the sins, the failures, and the brokenness which we've all experienced. Stains are things we try to hide, but they're also things we try to hide behind. You might get used to thinking, even comfortable accepting, that God can't use me because of a certain stain. Jesus flips the script on our stained cushions. First, he removes our excuses by choosing the disciples that he did. You don't measure up or you're too busy with your commitments at work. Jesus called fishermen and tradesmen. You've done some questionable stuff, maybe even hurt some people along the way. Jesus called a zealot. Walked away from God or done the secular thing for a while? Jesus called a tax collector. Second, as he transforms us by the work of his spirit, we start to see our stains differently. Instead of hiding them, we start showing them off so that we can tell people about the grace we've received. That's what testimony is, and it's a powerful and effective witness. Let me share this quote from you, quote with you from the chosen. I was one way, and now I am completely different, and the thing that happened in between was him. The point I want to emphasize here is that whatever your past or present hang-up, which maybe you've been told formally or informally disqualifies you from following Jesus, 
whatever you might be hiding behind because you're afraid of what following him might require of you, Jesus is still there, extending his open invitation to you and to me. Habitual sins, broken or damaged relationships, social outcast, hypocrite. Jesus says, anyone. And since anyone means everyone, that means his church needs to be a place that welcomes everyone, even the ones that make us feel uncomfortable, the ones with different backgrounds, different social circles, different habits, the ones that are just different. Matt Whitman, the host of the 10-Minute Bible Hour podcast, which I enjoy listening to, uses the phrase repugnant cultural other, or RCO. That's strong language to be sure, but it's meant to jar us, to force us to think about how we respond to people who don't fit inside our church culture. Jesus constantly moved towards the RCOs within Jewish culture. Lepers, the demon-possessed, the sick and the poor, the sinners and the Gentiles. He made sure that these groups would also know that they could choose to follow him. If we're his followers and not just fans, we need to be doing the same thing today. Now some of you may be thinking, what about sin? Doesn't sin matter? Well, of course it does. If it didn't, there would have been no need for the cross. Which brings us to the next point. The second part of Christ's open invitation clearly tells us what following requires, and it's everything. God still takes sin seriously, and we must do the same. Let me take you to another passage of Scripture. 1 Peter 1, 14-16. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Here, Peter reminds us of God's command for his people to be holy. As Christians, as followers of Christ, as God's children, we are called to holiness in every area of our lives. What Peter tells us is that God's command to be holy, as he is holy, didn't end at the cross. Instead, we see that it persisted for the first century church just as it does for the church today. It's popular in our culture to believe that whatever makes us happy is good and therefore must be acceptable to God. After all, God wants us to be happy and fulfilled, right? Well, not exactly. God wants you to be holy. It's holiness which enables us to be in relationship with him who is holy and who is also the source of our true happiness and fulfillment. We were created to be in relationship with him. 
And his desire for us to be reconciled to himself is what the cross is all about. When we accept Jesus as Lord over our whole lives, we put him on the throne and we say, Thy will be done, not my will be done. We move from a place of rebellion against God because of our sin into a place of restored relationship. Jesus' death and resurrection bridges the gap between us as sinners and a holy God. Following Jesus is about pursuing holiness so that we can draw ever closer to God. What Luke 9.23 demonstrates for us then is that love comes first, but holiness must follow. This is so crucial to becoming followers. New Christians, old ones, fans, and potential followers need to understand that it's anyone. That's the love part. But it's also everything. That's holiness. Choosing to become a follower, a Christian, is about choosing to become holy like Christ. Let's go back to the illustration from earlier. There is a Jewish blessing which says, may you always be covered by the dust of your rabbi. The idea being that the students of the rabbi would follow their teachers so closely that they would become caked in the dust that his sandals kicked up. A good mental picture for this might be ducklings trailing behind their mother. This behavior wasn't just about learning the right religious things. It was about learning to imitate or image the teacher. Being a disciple was nothing less than a total commitment to becoming like the rabbi. By going where he went, doing what he did, and imitating every little detail of his life until they would think and act like him. And this process took years. That's how it was and still is for us. In my own experience, which took me from where I was to right here, and which is by no means complete, started with listening to sermons and podcasts while driving or pursuing my hobbies. I started watching YouTube videos of gifted Christian teachers instead of binging Netflix. I participated in and eventually started leading Bible studies with small groups like our men's ministry impact. My journey also involved reading scripture more and books about faith written by people way smarter than me. All these things helped me. As Paul says in Philippians 1.9, to grow in knowledge and depth of insight. In addition, years of volunteering in the church and other ministries began to shape me for ministry. Serving, learning, and pursuing. Finally, when my job in the factory was coming to an end and my comfortable life was being upended, the decision to pursue a calling which I had spent most of my life refusing to acknowledge was a moment of surrender. I surrendered myself to a will greater than my own. And I think in that moment, 
I stopped being a fan, and I started following. Now, that doesn't mean I've arrived, or that I don't have a long way to go. It doesn't mean that I won't stumble along the way. The disciples, they stumbled a lot. It also doesn't mean that everyone will be called to ministry as I was, or that your journey from fan to follower will look like mine. What it does mean is that when we choose to follow, His grace enables us to keep following. And as we do, He shows us how to become more like Him. One final thought. When Jesus invites anyone to follow, that's our rabbi modeling grace. When we make room for everyone to belong, when we we give them the time and the space that they need to become like Christ, that's us imitating our rabbi. I want to thank you for listening to me speak today. I hope and I pray that God has used me to speak into your life and that you will engage with the Not a Fan study material. Most importantly... I hope that if you're not already following him, as is being described, that you will hear the invitation to follow and that you would be willing to surrender to his leading. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our rabbi. Thank you for showing us the way to become like you. Help us to be gracious as you are gracious, to allow those who are far away from you to be able to find a home, to be able to come and learn from you, and ultimately to become like you as well. You bless us in the rest of our worship today. Thank you again for giving me the courage to stand here. Thank you for these wonderful people who are willing to listen. In Jesus' name, amen.